We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On today's episode of BuzzBeat, we bring on host of the Haber Show podcast and contributor to True Hoop, Tom Habistro, to talk about the Hornets, James Borrego, what LaMelo Ball does for this franchise, and we end with one big number. All that plus more up next. Blue Wire. With the third pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Charlotte Hornets select LaMelo Ball from Chino Hills, California. TJ. Oh, my goodness! Stunning! With the hand! All right, what's going on, everyone? And welcome into another Buzz Beat. This is Richie, and we are joined today by returning guest Tom Haberstro. Tom, uh, we've actually made up a, an imaginary leaderboard of all of our guests and all their appearances that they've made. And the most anyone has appeared has been three times. So, with this appearance for you, you're actually now in second place. So, how does that, how does that make you feel? <laughs> well, to all the people with three appearances, uh, watch your back. Um, <laughs> That's right. And uh, it's been a long road to get here, but uh, <laughs> I am now looking at second place on the all time leaderboard and watch out. Yeah. And Tom has twice as many appearances as Miles Bridges because he can jump twice as high as, as Miles. The, the, there's a perfect correlation between those Facts. two things. Yeah. Facts. I, I don't mean to step. I, I'm just trying to make sure I get to that three. Uh, appearance threshold and as long as i just talk <laughs> over everybody i know i'm gonna be able to yeah. i'm good i'm good i'm um i'm here in charlotte i was in the, on in south florida for two weeks visiting family and um kind of getting away for a little bit but uh, i brought the south florida weather here so uh you're welcome yes yeah. yeah, so i'm enjoying it Thank you for doing that. Uh, it, apparently, according to reports, the rest, you went in the opposite direction because everyone in the NBA went to South Florida this week, I guess, as you were coming back. Wind horse saying 100. Trailblazer, you know, yeah. just setting <laughs> yeah. the tone. Yeah. Um, uh, everyone heard I was in South Florida, so we're like, let's go. If Haverster was there, we got to go. And I was like, peace, see ya. Yeah. Look at you, staying a step ahead. All right, let, yeah. let's get into some some talk with the Hornets here, some preseason expectations versus their actual performance uh, this season halfway through the the schedule here. Heading into the season uh, in Vegas, a lot of the odd makers had Charlotte at like 25 wins. And I think even Brian and myself, when we did a preseason pod, we I think we took the over, but not by much. Currently, the Hornets have 17 wins and are in seventh place in the East. 
Uh, there's plenty of reasons why this team has outperformed expectations, Tom. And I'd love to know what you think. What have you seen from a team perspective that has allowed this, you know, the Charlotte Hornets team to outperform some of these expectations uh, in the preseason? Oh man, Lamelo, 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 Gordy, Gordy, Gordy. I mean, everyone's <laughs> everyone seems to be focusing on Lamelo, which is all due respect. And he is incredible. One of the best rookie seasons we've ever seen for a 19 year old or just period for a rookie. But secondly, I think Gordon Hayward has exceeded expectations, not mine, because I love him as a player. I think he's been uh, underrated because of the injuries and he sets the table and helps everyone around him just get a little bit better. Um, And I think when people looked at that contract, Mm -hmm. Uh, they just ignored the actual basketball stuff. So I think LaMelo obviously exceeding expectations uh, from the get-go, the feel of the game, but also like Terry Rozier shooting 43% from downtown, uh, I think almost 44% now, like one of the best shooters in the NBA. That helps you uh, exceed expectations. So I think just collectively – Every Hornets player, at least player development, has been outrageously good this season. Um, and I think people just lost track of the Hornets this this offseason and, and wrote the Gordon Hayward contract as just another dumb move by the Hornets. But no, this is a really good, fun young team. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's plenty of reasons as to why this team has outperformed expectations. And outside of those individual performances that you kind of noted there, Tom, the one thing that I've noticed regardless of the player has been the ball movement, the fact that the ball is not sticking, the fact that this team is trying to get open looks for each other. The shot profile is exactly what JB is trying to go for here. Um, It's evident the players have bought in. Um, They're putting it into action. I do have three statistics that I just kind of want to highlight to kind of show how unselfish this team is, despite not having that true superstar. Now, Gordon Hayward, not a superstar by any means, but he is someone that you can run offense through. But collectively, this Hornets team, they're passing the ball. They're being unselfish. They're trying to get open looks for everyone else. They are second in the NBA behind the Pacers and passes made. They are fourth in the NBA in assists per game, and they're second in the NBA in average seconds per touch uh, with 2.81 seconds per touch. So those three things combined have been very evident with the eye test in terms of seeing you know, JB trying to get all of these players involved. And regardless if it's Terry Rozier one night, if it's Gordon Hayward one night, if it's LaMelo one night, or if it's PJ Washington going off for 42 points, you know, anyone can get involved on any given night. And I, I think everyone's buying in, Brian. Yeah, I mean, you you guys both highlighted it, just like the they have a handful of playmakers. And I think it's really big, too, that LaMelo, you know, he's getting about 40% of his shots at the rim. Terrific number. He's not an amazing finisher at the rim, although he has certainly has the occasional highlight when he switches to the left hand. But maybe you'd like to see him eventually just get better at being able to finish over the top of guys or finish through guys with that right hand. But he's just looked bursty, and he's committed to getting to the rim. Malik Monk. Uh, rejoining the rotation in late January and being this impactful is mm-hmm. is huge. And it gives Charlotte another guy that can go from 24 feet out on a live dribble and get to the rim or create a shot for somebody else. Like they just have more playmakers than I, than I was like really, or like more like plus playmakers than I was sort of expecting um, them to have. It's crazy that Rozier 18 months ago was brought in as the, you know, something that Charlotte could grab as Kemba was, was getting ready to leave and he was brought in and people thought he might be like the lead ball handler and they've just turned him loose as a 
a catch and shoot bomber. And, and some of that was because of, you know, luck and Devonte Graham just exceeding expectations a season ago. But I think the, what you guys highlighted multiple playmakers playing at high levels, the probably some shooting luck in the clutch has been helpful. Mm-hmm. But then I think too, just like the pace that they've played with um, this is the second fastest offense in the league after a, a turnover, 7.9 seconds per possession and their third um, in offensive efficiency on those play types. So offensive possession after a turnover. So top three in the league in both pace after a turnover and uh, scoring 1.38 points per possession. And they're essentially, according to Unpredictable, like they are top 10 in the NBA in time of possession or you know pace in terms of uh, average possession length. In total possessions, they're sixth in the NBA or tied for fifth. They're seventh after a made shot, 10th after a rebound, and like I said, second after a turnover. So they're just flying and doing so while also targeting the right areas of the court, shooting a lot of threes and, and getting to the rim. Yeah, I, I had James Borrego on the, on the Haber Show podcast with Amino Hassan and I um, about a month ago. It's probably even more than that, but it was, it was a lot of fun getting JB on the show because you never really get him in that kind of setting where he's able to outside of like with all the cameras on him and, and, you know, pregame or shoot around. And it was fun just hearing him talk about the Phoenix Suns team and being part of the, the San Antonio Spurs coaching staff with pop mm-hmm. um, and coach bud uh, Budenholzer over in, in, uh, in Milwaukee now because this team very much plays like seven seconds or less, just move the ball quickly, mm-hmm. a blend of seven seconds or less in Spurs. It really yeah. is like a blend of yeah. those two philosophies of get down the floor, get a high percentage shot, go for layups or threes, um, but do not play ISO basketball or post-up basketball. And so mm-hmm. both of those styles of Spurs, you know, only hold it for no more than a, a second or two and move the ball. And then also the second seconds or less were just push the ball and get out in the open court. It's been really fun to watch. And I I think JB is one of those coaches that doesn't get a lot of acclaim, Mm -hmm. but comes from a really disciplined background from, from Popovich um, and also uh, from his from his coaching days with David Fisdale uh, over at, at uh, USD. I think this is just a guy who, when you have a team made up of young players who want to prove themselves and want to play with joy and have fun, like LaMelo is the perfect guy for that. I think he struck gold with that kind of player who wants to play the brand of basketball that uh, James Borrego wants to play. And, and Gordon Hayward too. Like I think playing in Boston with all of that pressure and trying to fit in with Kyrie fitting in with the Boston expectations. Now he just gets to play ball. And I think there is something to that. Um, and the number one thing I, I want to point out that has been surprising is LaMelo Ball's three-point shooting. Yeah. You know, looking at going into this season, I think that was the biggest question mark is, I know he can shoot from deep and at high volume, but he can he shoot it efficiently. And his splits this season in December in four games, he shot fairly well from deep. He got off to a good start, but in the month of January, uh, January, he was at 25% from deep in February, 41%. And then in March in two games, he's 75%. (laughs) I mean, that's good. That's really good. And if he can have a legitimate three point shot, forget like 40%. If it's just like Luka Doncic, like 35, 38, somewhere in there. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's amazing for the playmaking and the feel that's, that's a game changing skill right there. Yeah. It's like you get above that 
that sort of like Mendoza line with pull-up shooting and all of a sudden you force the pick and roll coverages to not be able to just go under the screen because the math says he's going to make this 36% of the time or whatever. And all of a sudden it's like, you can't go under LaMelo. And then that opens up the, the passing and the driving. It's just, it, that's the, certainly the game changer for him. And in, in lieu of that on nights when it's not going well, they've got to do other stuff. They flip this, they flip the screen and rescreen and try to get him, you know, a better angle to go downhill. Um, it took like yeah. Kemba like six years to get to that pull yeah. up like three yes. point yeah. percentage, yeah. right? And if yes. Lamella Ball out of the gate at 19 years old is doing this already, like it's crazy. It's crazy. I, I say I say he's Jason Kidd because mm-hmm. his feel for the game is off the charts. His size is huge. People mm-hmm. don't think he's big, but he's huge. Yeah. And um, Jason Kidd, the ability to fill up the the stat sheet, it's it's all Lamella. And so I hall of fame talent. Um, I, I, I legit believe that LaMelo ball has hall of fame talent uh, coming into this season and what he's done, the stats on him are ridiculous, but also what coaches come away every time they play the Hornets is just the feel for the game is LeBron esque, Luca esque, uh, Jason Kidd, like all these names, these are hall of fame material. And I think LaMelo ball is in that conversation. Have you ever said to yourself, I love the fact that I've had the same few pair of sheets since just after college and I've never really liked them, but I just kept washing them every week or two and putting them back on the bed like it's totally normal. Well, stop it. Brooklinen can make that voice in your head and the bad sheets on your bed go away. Brooklinen was started by Rich and Vicky who tried to find beautiful home essentials that didn't cost an arm and leg. And when they couldn't find it, they founded Brooklinen as the first direct-to-consumer bedding company. Brooklinen has a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials to fit your needs and taste. They have over 50,000 five-star reviews and counting. They are so confident that you will love their products. They even offer a 365-day money-back guarantee. And Brooklinen is so much more than sheets. They have comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear, and more. Go to brooklinen.com and use promo code BUZZ to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more, plus free shipping. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter code BUZZ to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more plus free shipping brooklinen.com and use promo code buzz at checkout. And the one thing with Jason Kidd is that he didn't develop a three point shot until later in his career. And so like we were just mentioning, if Lamella ball can hover around 35, 38% from deep, that's going to do wonders for his game. So yeah, that's, that's definitely something that I did not see coming. uh, Tom, the shooting from deep because he shot what, like 25% in Australia or something like that on threes. Yeah. And, and then another thing that I did not really realize that he was going to be so good at was his rim scoring. Um, because just the way that he's built, I, I would have thought he would have got pushed around a little bit more. Uh, but he he's shooting close to like 60% at the hoop. So those two things have been like the biggest surprise for me. Obviously, the passing is not a surprise. We knew that coming into the season. And it's funny you mentioned how JB's offensive style could be a combination of the seven seconds or left Suns kind of combined with the Spurs. Do you guys ever wonder what would have happened if Anthony Edwards would be sitting here in Charlotte versus LaMelo Ball? Like, 
You know, I was a big Anthony Edwards guy heading into the draft. I was actually higher on Edwards than I was LaMelo, but to Tom's point, like he is perfect for this offense and not to say Anthony Edwards wouldn't thrive here, but it's crazy how one little move, whether or not he would have gone one or two overall could have changed a whole lot of things. Yeah. The thing, the thing for, I always imagine it with wise men and just like, I mean, he's an interesting <laughs> prospect too. And, and I, I think he's had some, some flashes. He's, I feel he's in a tough spot because he's playing with hall of famers and, you know, Warriors fans expect him to be Kareem uh, right out the gate. Um, I think he's going to settle in and be an okay player. But yeah, I just think all the time, like what if LaMelo was playing with Steph? Like, what would that look like? How crazy would that be? And, um, and yeah, I, I, the one other thing too, because we were talking about the, the Spursian nature of this is that I think if Edwards were here, one of the things the Spurs are so good at doing under Popovich is tailoring the offense to the, the strengths of the, the personnel. So I think if you, if, if it were Anthony Edwards, as opposed to LaMelo ball, you know, the Hornets would still be targeting the same areas of the court, but they would be deploying Anthony Edwards in different ways, obviously. And perhaps have some stuff, you know, sort of like designed to use the best of his attributes. I still think Anthony Edwards is going to be a a really good Mm -hmm. pro too, but obviously Charlotte got exactly what they needed with, uh, with ball. Tom, do you think LaMelo is going to win the rookie of the year? Like if you had a put money on it today. Like you think he's going to win it outright? Yeah. I mean, what are the odds? I mean, I, I bet, I bet that's not probably a good bet. Um, just cause it's like, <laughs> yeah. what are you going to win back? I mean, he's the overwhelming <laughs> favorite at this point. Right. And yeah. you know, like LaMelo, I think James Borrego talked about it on the podcast and he said it since is the idea of like, he's so much fun to be around and he, his energy is infectious. The players love him and players don't love rookies. Like one of the <laughs> unspoken rules in the NBA is like those rookies are, are coming for your minutes. Mm-hmm. They're coming for mm-hmm. your contract. They're coming for your FaceTime, like as the face of the franchise, yeah. like t- veterans don't like rookies. They, they think they see them as a threat. It's a lot of the reason why you're seeing the NBA still like not reducing the, the age limit rules. Cause like, NBA players don't want younger and younger players coming into the league because that's, that's every Carmelo Anthony out of the door. That's a Jamal mm-hmm. Crawford who can't get into the league. That's for every 18 year old. That's a 35 year old that won't be in the NBA. And those are the guys that the players union are representing are actual NBA players. And so LaMelo, I feel like um, the fact that NBA players like playing with him and the energy around him, that is is so important in building a franchise, which is what the Hornets are trying to do: is build on the fly. Um, and it's it they just they hit jack. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pot. Is there any one thing that you think that he needs improvement on? I know he's 19 years old and there's a lot of room for improvement for anyone coming in as a rookie, but is there something that sticks out to you that you're just like, okay, this has got to get better for him to be a, a more well-rounded player? Yeah. So one of the things I asked Borrego about was his ability to get steals. Uh, it was one of the top five rates or top three. No, he had that top steal percentage at the time of the podcast, the recording. Um, and, you know, he didn't know that, but he knows that he has a knack for the ball. And one of the things that the Hornets have to get better at is defending the perimeter uh-huh. and preventing those basket attacks and getting those easy looks at the rim. Um, they just haven't been able to defend the three point line. It's part philosophy, but, but also just the, the talent there, they're, they're trying to go for a lot of defensive, um, turnovers or trying to gamble. Like one of the things that Lamella has to work on is not gambling too much. Mm-hmm. Um, the defense, the size, like it's going to come together. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there's anything that I can point to, that he needs to do better is just defensively just stay in your lane and and not go too crazy on gambling. That's the one thing I always debate, Brian, is whether or not LaMelo is better on ball or better off ball. Because the thing is, like, physically, you know, I don't think he's big enough to navigate screens or work through screens. But also on the off ball, I feel like he also kind of gets caught ball watching, but he makes up for it with his length and his ability to recover. So it kind of hides some of those deficiencies on the defensive side of the court. Yeah, I like him. I mean, I, I, I like him a lot more as a, as a team defender, uh, even with some of the risk taking and perhaps the, the the cost that that produces on the back end. But I just like his genius as a basketball player and, and, a, and a guy that has a great feel for the game. But is, you know, that's where that that's one of the places you get to see it is, is watching him make plays and create events defensively. It's the navigating screens. It's him being strong enough to go toe to toe with some larger wings like he's going to have to get better at that or if Charlotte's going to build a, a winner around him eventually it's going to tailor how they fill out those like other perimeter spots defensively because um you know if, if LaMelo doesn't become better at, at being like a, a point of attack defender it's not like he's got to be Pat Beverly but um you know he's going to have to improve on the basketball and the one thing that before I switch to Gordon Hayward here, the one thing that's been very uh, surprising for me with LaMelo Ball is his floater range, like just unorthodox floater that he has. I don't know if you've seen this, Tom, but he like, he takes floaters from like 12 to like 15 feet. It's it's, it's very yeah. odd, very odd. Um, but again, that, again, that, that's feel, that's all yeah. touch, right? Like yeah. it's just something you can't yeah. teach. That's this thing that uh, I think if you try to get like, 75% of NBA players to learn that skill, they're just not going to pick it up. Mm-hmm. No. And, he, and he's relatively effective at it uh, this young. So uh, speaking of Gordon Hayward, you brought him up, how you've been a big fan of his. So you probably weren't as uh, down on the contract that he signed. But when it did happen, when that deal did go down over the offseason, do you remember your overall thoughts on terms of like how shocked you were? And also, do you think that, you know, maybe in year three or year four that that contract might not age too well? Yeah, the, the concern I think people have with Gordon Hayward is that he's injury prone. Mm-hmm. However, the injuries that he's succumbed recently, I'm not talking about the ankle, have been like hand issues and stuff that aren't wheels issues. Like if he had flat tires all the time uh, or knee issues or hamstring issues constantly, like that's a different thing, you know? And I think people over focused on the ankle injury because it was so horrific and also just didn't do their homework on what injuries were plaguing him the last couple of years. So I think that's that. Secondly, the contract is big. I mean, 120 mil 
mm-hmm. over four years, like that's not a small contract. It's also not the John Wall contract. And it's also not the Chris Paul contract, which is huge, right? Those are like, you know, a lot, a lot higher on the, on the cap, but also Gordon Hayward is a guy who's going to make others around him better. I mean, he's, he's not going to be a gunner. He's going to move the ball. And I think he's one of these all-stars that is happy to be, you know, a versatile dude. Who's not going to do who, like, I can't imagine how many players would let LaMelo ball just take the reins like this. Mm. And Gordon Hayward is that kind of guy. Yeah. He's one of those players where there are times when I'm watching the game where I'm just like, he needs to insert himself a little bit more. He needs to be a little bit more aggressive. And I think Gordon Hayward sometimes does take a back seat at times. And he does have that facilitation role in his game, but he's more than happy, like you said, to, to let others take over. Um, it's so funny back in 2014, when Charlotte, you know, initially signed him to that offer sheet, I, I was a big fan of him. And I always played the what if game, like what would have happened if him and Kimba were playing together but instead, we got the Kimba and Lance Stevenson kind of uh, experience there. So I, I actually was not, I'll admit that I was actually high on Lance Stevenson right after Gordon Hayward. But that did not turn out the way that uh, I think most fans wanted it to. So we have Spencer on the call now. Spencer, what's up, man? Oh, yeah. Yeah, thanks, Richie. Hey, hey everyone. Sorry, <laughs> like, um, family issues come first. But no, I was you know just listening to you guys talk about Gordon. You know, I think that in short shooting, I think about 40% from three this year, you know, the three point shot can stay anywhere in, in that range. I think that con that just helps that contract age so much, so much more smoothly because to Tom's point, these injuries aren't real severe injuries where you just think, okay, this guy's body's just going to start breaking down any minute now, but there's three years left after this. And you know, we can expect uh, we've already seen it, you know, an athletic decline for Gordon Hayward, and that will continue likely. But if, yeah, if that three-point shot can stay where it's been this year, which has been a huge boon for Charlotte, um, that's a great sign on a career-high volume as well, about five a game. So we saw a little bit of a decline before the All-Star break. So let's let's see how he's shooting it when he comes back. But that's that's just such a huge aspect of that contract aging to me. Yeah, it's that plus like the post game too, right? Like that, that he can score in these two different ways that don't require him, you know, use, you know, using his first step to get by somebody or to uh, beat someone down the court or, or whatever. It's just like he, you can get to your spots and set up and, and, and get to your shots. But yeah, it's, he can do a little bit of everything offensively. He's a, an incredibly complete um, and, and, and inefficient and unselfish player. Yeah, I was a little split on the deal in the moment. I was a fan of him as a player, but I, I always thought towards the tail end uh, of his contract, I didn't know how his body would hold up. Uh, but I'm definitely been impressed with the way that he has been playing with the Hornets, um, and, and he fits perfectly within the system. And uh, I do think that he is enjoying, like Tom's point, like he is enjoying the new role. You know, with Tatum and 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 Jalen Brown and Kemba, the, you you had too many other players to feed. I think he does like being a little bit more prominent piece here in Charlotte. But these are all questions that we're going to have to ask come year three and come year four if uh, we're going to be looking at a lopsided contract or not. But uh, I think we should just enjoy the moment. And uh, that's kind of what Hornets fans are doing right now. Tom, you mentioned uh, Borrego. We are jealous that you got him on the podcast. A little bit jealous there. But (laughs) I I know you mentioned him a little bit at the top of the podcast. But, you know, I kind of want to know your thoughts on him and his philosophies. And, and first off, one philosophy, and this is not necessarily specific to him, but he has admitted that he's allowing three-point shots. His goal on defense is to wall off the paint and not allow attempts uh, within the paint or at the rim. 
he said last year he tried to do both and he just wasn't very effective at it or the team wasn't very effective at it. What, what are your thoughts on that? Not, not necessarily just kind of waving the white flag on three-point shots because they do try to close out hard, but what are your thoughts on, you know, with the personnel that the Hornets have that, you know, Borrego's going into it thinking, hey, let's just focus on one thing and, and try to do that well and just hope teams don't score from behind the arc. Yeah, offenses are just so hard to guard against. In today's NBA, you have to pick one or the other. You're not going to be able to do uh, the Milwaukee Bucks last year, like epically um, tried to keep keep players out of the paint and it just it didn't work in the postseason. I think you need that versatility on the roster defensively to do those do those things, be able to shape shift in the playoffs depending on the matchup. But he, he's absolutely right. Is that in today's NBA, you can't do both. You know, it's funny. Uh, the, everyone's talking about the Utah Jazz. Man, like the Hornets just can't guard that team. No. Like they, they, <laughs> yeah. they yeah. the three point, the three point arsenal that Utah had just killed them every time down the floor. I think the first game they played what was like twenty five threes against Hornets, and then this one it was like twenty eight. It was just. It's just brutal because they don't guard the corner three. They just mm, yeah. don't get out to the corner three. They don't wall it off. There are some theories that you should just like defend the corner three at all costs because it's a, a super high percentage shot. It's basically a layup, but like you have to pick your poison. And for the Hornets, they give up the most corner threes in the NBA at a 41% clip. And that's tough. Like it's hard to orchestrate a defense um, that's going to be healthy while giving up that many high percentage shots in the corner, but maybe, maybe that's just unsustainable and uh, that'll level out as we, as the season progresses. But um, you know, that's, that's a tough decision because this team isn't big in terms of like having a rim protector out there. Cody Zeller is not a quote unquote rim protector. They don't have a Rudy Gobert. You might argue biz is that guy, but um, his offensive limitations mean that he can't be on the floor for 35 minutes a night. So they have to pick something that they're going to give up. And I, and I think it's smarter to try to, um, you know, with this team, try to defend the paint because it has to be a team effort. They don't have one guy who can do it like Rudy Gobert. Yeah, the, the a team like Utah that's so good at spacing and just using every inch of, of width on the court is like, yes, yeah, it's, it's a bad matchup for a team like Charlotte that gives up, you know, 14% of opponent field goal attempts are corner threes. It's not, it's like, a, you know, a, in football, like a spread offense going against a team that wants to put, you know, eight guys in the box. Just like someone's open on the perimeter if you if you run the offense. Um, but uh, but but I, I get what they're trying to do with it simply because of the personnel. Like once again, Charlotte doesn't really have a whole lot of like on Malik Monk has some moments. Um, if Cody Martin were a bigger part of the rotation, maybe we'd have a slightly different conversation. Gordon Hayward's a decent defender um, across a couple positions. Miles does some stuff as like a team defender, but just like. With the personnel that they they have, I get while they're trying it. I do think it's interesting that they're playing a lot less zone over the last month or so, and I'll right. be curious to see how that how that uh, changes or continues to evolve during the second half of the season. I've always wondered if they did zone because of necessity. You know, they just thought, that yeah. This, yeah, I mean, this is yeah. what we have to do in the moment. And he's trying to build defensive habits currently, uh, and maybe they're they're getting out of that habit uh, of zone defense. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree that just no rim protection on this team, that just closing off the paint with all five bodies is probably the best route. And it's working out. Like Charlotte hasn't, yes, they're giving up a ton of corner threes, a lot of threes in general. They're not getting burned at even the top 10 rate though. Will that, will that start to correct itself? Probably, but they're surviving right now on that end. Um, 
But that actually, maybe this is a good segue, Richie. I want to ask Tom about the trade deadline coming up. And Tom, I'm, I'm workshopping this idea. So I want to know, one, what do you think Charlotte should do? What do you think is realistic out there for them? But then hear this idea out for me. So I actually think there's a case to be made that the Hornets should add a guy like Harrison Barnes for this exact kind of defensive conversation. And they've already sniffed around him in the past. Because he went to UNC. Correct. Yes, exactly. Yes. Dang it. All right. You answered the question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the oldest one in the book, Michael Jordan, UNC guy. Um, but so, so I've, I'm, I'm workshopping this like monk and in, in the salary to make it work for a guy. And maybe it would take more for the Kings. I'm not sure. But I think Harrison Barnes is pretty available. And I just think there's an idea that defensively, especially just double down on this playing small PJ Washington, Gordon Hayward, Harrison Barnes. Now you can definitely switch matchup on the wing really well. You know, you're rebounding it pretty well. There's more defensive versatility, I think, there. It gives Brago a little bit more. And I don't think you sacrifice so much offensively if it's Monk, salary filler, and whatever else. Um, I actually think that improves your team. And that, that's the kind of move Charlotte should be, should be looking at. So tell me what you think about that idea. And then just tell me what your opinion is on Charlotte at the deadline. So they have, I think, about $4 million in cap space. Do I have that? I think I have that right. Um, going into the deadline, yeah, they're going to be better. able to absorb a tiny contract under the cap and not have to give up anything in return. So they're going to they're right. going to have some cap flexibility here. Um, I do think that Harrison Barnes certainly upgrades them from the talent perspective. They have a huge logjam at the guard position with ball handling. They have a lot of surplus there. So. If you're going to move someone, I can see the point for Malik Monk, especially with Sacramento, where they're just in nowhere, no man's land here, and they're just trying to add young talent. That makes sense. Um, Harrison Barnes is interesting because it's like almost like uh, Marvin Williams 2.0, where you're trying to get just like a really savvy, smart player who's strong, big, and can guard multiple positions. Um, who has a lot of love in the locker room. So um, not to go further down the the Carolina route, but I think my thing at the deadline is Terry Rozier. What do you do with a guy who's shooting at a high career high levels? Do you sell high on him? He's got a nice number cap wise next year. It goes down from 18.9 to, to 17.9. And there are teams at the top of the, the, the NBA that want point guard help. And with the Hornet situation, is this the time that you sell high? It's funny. We've talked about this exact conversation, Tom. Like, yeah. like he's the one guy that out of yeah. anyone on this team would have some kind of value. I think on. with, you know, I think that when we, tri- when we got Rozier on this deal, it was, wow, this is too expensive. Um, you know, Charlotte was the laughing stock of the league at the time. And as time's gone on, it's like, all right. He's been, I think his trade value is going up. I think we might be able to trade this guy. All right. And, and here we are sitting, Tom asking us the question. And now I'm saying, yeah, but I don't know if I want to trade him because he's so valuable to this team being 500 <laughs> right now. Like yeah. he's, he, I mean, Joe Harris is the only catch and shoot player that's, that's, that's hotter than him in the league. So in, with an owner like Michael Jordan, I just don't think he's going to green like trading a guy like like Terry Rozier, who's, who's as important to Charlotte's playoff hopes as any on this roster right now. Um, but I do think that this would be. Yeah, I, I'm of the mind that I would be shopping Rozier pretty hard right now, but I'm, I'm in the, I'm like not in the majority with that as far as people that like follow this team. And uh, since they are, they're clearly trying to win this year. 
it's just, it's unlikely. I think that they're going to move a guy that's shooting as well. And in theory can complement LaMelo and Hayward, who are the two most important players on the, uh, the roster right now. But yes, I would be, I mean, I'm sure there's a market out there for them. And the, as Tom said, there's a bit of a log jam at the backcourt. So I would be interested in doing it, but I, I don't think it's something they're going to seriously pursue to Spencer's point. Yeah, it's one of those things where you probably shouldn't even think about it because I don't I don't think the Hornets are going to think about trading Rozier, even though it might be the savvy thing to do. But the hardest thing with the Hornets at this trade deadline, because I, I think they probably are going to take the route of just, you know, standing pat and not making a trade. The hardest thing is that with that Harrison Barnes trade that you brought up, Spencer, you know, obviously you need salary fillers because it, it doesn't work with Monk straight up. Obviously, you know that. But our three biggest contributors are also the three biggest contracts on the team with Hayward, Rozier, and Zeller. These are all three players that the Hornets would want to keep considering the, the type of season that they are having this season. So that's what makes the, the trade deadline a little bit tricky here. So before we get to this, Tom, what, what was your inspiration behind like the big number series that you've been doing for what seems like forever? <laughs> so the big number came about in like 2012 or something like that. Like I've been doing it for like almost 10 years. That's ridiculous to say, but <laughs> um, digital video was such a big deal uh, on the internet. And so it, the idea was, could you do like a stat story in 80 seconds? Yeah. And so the big number, we came up with all these like, Stroh's stat or like Tom's bomb, like something like yeah. that. And then just my boss was like, what about the big number? And I was like, I actually kind of like that. So we started with the big number and it got on the jump and I was like 25 years old and I was like on the jump and it was amazing uh, to see Rachel and Gina Paradiso, who's on the Haber show this, this week, um, who's the head of talent booking at, at ESPN's NBA programming. They just got behind it and they were like, let's air th these videos on, on yeah. ESPN, which was so cool. But I, I, the inspiration was reading sports illustrated as a kid and getting the little behind the numbers or uh, those little yeah. stats yeah. on the, the right panel there um, on the first like five pages of the, of the magazine and just seeing that like one number could tell a story. And I just thought that that was the coolest thing. So, yeah. so that's it. That I love the big number, but my favorite Haberstro digital video has to be stat in your face by Mike Ryan of the Lebetard show, which is still, uh, it's just one of the most amazing like song parodies that that show ever, ever came up with. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I go into arenas, face. not anymore, but when I go into arenas, <laughs> like they, they yell, I love Haber <laughs> And I'm like, I'm like, man, I, I have written for years. I've been on TV and all people know me as is the, I love Haverstro. Uh, per, per, per. Um, that makes me laugh every time I, every single time I, uh, I listen to that. Thank you. Thank you. So Brian and Spencer, I don't know if you guys have a big number prepared, but Tom, I, I know you came ready. What is your big number? A Charlotte Hornets related big number for the episode here. I, I've got one for you. Here we go. 25, five and five per 100. So on basketball reference, 25 points, five assists, five rebounds per 100 possessions. Only three rookies have ever done it. Um, or three teenagers, I should say, have ever done it. It's LeBron, Luca, and LaMelo. And if you raised it up to 25, 10 and 10, because that's where LaMelo is right now, the list goes to one wow. LaMelo ball. Nice. That is halfway through the season, 
Lots can change here for the rest of the way. Yeah. <laughs> but this is the stratosphere we're at. Now, I'm not even talking about pace. Like, we're not talking about just points per game in today's turbocharged NBA. I'm talking pace adjusted per 100 possessions, rookie year, uh, teenage teenager in the NBA. The Lamella ball does not have many peers. Wow. It's crazy. That- it, it still feels like an alternate universe <laughs> watching this guy play in his rookie season. Wow. I had not, that's a great big number. I think we have uh, pulled that one out for social media, Richie. <laughs> yeah, I had one prepared, but I'm, I'm afraid to say it because it doesn't live up to that. Yeah. yeah. This is why they pay me the medium bucks yeah. right here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Before we sign off, Tom, let everyone know where they can find you and, and your work. I know that you are also contributing to True Hoop now. So go ahead and let the listeners know about you. Yeah. So uh, I am at Tom Haberstroh. Um, Proud to be here in uh, in Charlotte, and, and um, I just saw that the Crunkleton just added a, a outdoor patio. Um, so that's down the street from where I live, and it's just going to be great. So I'm uh, excited <laughs> about that. And the weather here, you can probably find me just running around uh, Charlotte because the weather's so nice. Not just on Tom Haverstrow, but also uh, big number bets every Wednesday. I do three betting picks, uh, just going for fun and. Uh, it's been really, really cool to do that. Big number bets uh, at review.com newsletter every Wednesday morning. Uh, also, you can find me at True Hoop. My old uh, editor at ESPN, Henry Abbott, um, has this site, uh, truehoop.com, been contributing there. And also, um, Levitard Show. Uh, I was just on with uh, Dan Levitard doing a bit with Kate Fagan. Yeah, we that. ate a hot <laughs> habanero pepper on air and answered questions about the newly inaugural, inaugural Lou Gehrig Day in baseball. Every June 2nd is going to be uh, Raise ALS Awareness Day uh, and Lou Gehrig's Disease Day. My mother has ALS, and it is just an awesome cause that the Major League Baseball has got behind that had a small hand in it. So, um, Hopefully more appearances on Levitt's Hard Show, just talking the NBA with my guy, Amin Al-Hassan, too. Yeah, I don't know if you saw pictures of that, Brian or Spencer, but he looked like he was in pain after he <laughs> yeah. it was. It did, did not, not it did not look good. did not look good. The Harris Teeter Habanero is legit. Um, all right. It, all right. It is legit. It's all orange. It was all orange. I yeah. just decided to pick up. I don't know where I would pick up peppers in town that would have, like, crazy peppers, mm-hmm. but... We do a pucker butt in Fort Mills, South Carolina, which has the Carolina Reaper, the hottest pepper in the world. So it's not too far away. Yeah, that's where I live. I live in Fort Mill. So, all right, guys, thanks for joining us for another podcast. We wanted to thank Tom for joining us today. And if you're listening right now, we'd appreciate a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And I know Tom will be doing that the minute he logs off this call. (laughs) Already did it. For Brian and for Spencer. (laughs) I am Richie. We'll see you guys next time.